All right. Hi, everybody. It's our CFB Talk 100. We've hit 100 shows, so we're firing it up just a little bit early so we can talk about that. But mostly we're here because we have a special guest. We're going to be talking JUCO Sports with Dr. Christopher Parker, the president and CEO of the National Junior College Athletic Association. And as we fire this up, we just wanted to take a couple of seconds to talk about this being show 100. In fact, I see my co-host is going to let him up right now. So we started this. And again, this is just pure luck. We started this show a year ago Wednesday. So when Tuesday Night Maction, which of course comes back this week, began in the 2021 season, we started it on Reddit Talk. They had encouraged us to give that a try. And after six shows, we moved it to Twitter, and we've been enjoying an opportunity to talk to all of you, but also a chance to talk to some of the people that make this sport so interesting, some of those decision makers. Hey, JD, I, I see you're with us. Yes, I am, and I am blown away at the fact that this is the 100th RCFB talk that we have had. We've had a couple of amazing conversations, not just with decision makers and leaders all throughout college football, but with so many callers as well. I mean, it always uh, kind of blows my mind to know that we had the first talk right after Monkey Gate hit with the University of Texas and Gia and the stripper monkey. And to just know where we have gone from there, uh, it is absolutely bonkers to me that we've had 100 fantastic conversations. And here's to 100 more fantastic conversations, including our guest today. Of course, uh, you know, we've got Dr. Christopher Parker, the NJCAA president and CEO coming on. And man, I am excited to talk about a little bit about JUCO football today. I am too. And just JUCO sports in general. I mean, obviously, junior college football has been long an integral part of the college football ecosystem from giving students an opportunity to keep playing and developing some of them into some of the household names we know throughout the country, both at the college and then later the NFL. There's loyal fan bases at a lot of local areas. I mean, obviously, Kansas and Mississippi are two of the strongest areas for uh, JUCO sports. And we're happy to be hosting the head of the association. It's a governing body that covers 60,000 student-athletes, 500 colleges across 24 regions. And in fact, this year is really a big deal because the national championship for the NJCAA is going to air on ESPNU which is the first time it's been on an ESPN linear network. That's real exciting. So our guest has been the president and chief executive officer there since 2017, and he's responsible for you know all oversight of the second largest intercollegiate athletic association after the NCAA. Dr. Parker, thank you for joining us. Hey, it's great to be here. I appreciate you guys having me. Absolutely. We've been looking forward to this conversation. You know, just to kind of start out, I know – you started as a baseball player. You've coached baseball. We'd be, we have to ask, what are your thoughts on the World Series? Uh, I'm actually going to the World Series tomorrow night. I'm excited. Um, uh, I'm, I'm a Boston Red Sox diehard fan, but uh, it's really hard to root for those cheating Astros. So I guess I got to pull for the Phillies. <laughs> oh, that's great. You know, but we have, uh, I think we've got about five alums, five NJC alums on the Phillies roster right now, and I think one on the Astros roster. So it's exciting to see those guys uh, playing in the big leagues that started right here at the NJCAA. Exactly. It's always been an important step for a lot of folks. I mean, one thing that I've always found interesting about 
JUCO sports. I mean, I went to a JUCO just locally for academic reasons. You know, a lot of people do, and it's always been such an important part of the higher education ecosystem, not just in sports, but in careers and academics and all of that. How do you see the role of the association in just the entire lifeblood of college athletics? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, for, for us, you know, you, you often hear that we're the the second chance or, you know, the, the show last chance you, but it's, it can go anywhere from the first, second or third chance. And, and we fill a, we fill a gap and a barrier that allows young men and women to get a chance to continue their education and play sports, whether it starts here or whether it's a, a secondary option. Uh, we always are that, that safe net of catching them to get them back to where they want to be. And I think that's, you know, that's one of our primary missions when it comes to athletics, but also academics. Uh, we can fill that void to, to get them started on the right path, or we can be there to support their, their journey after they've been somewhere else. So I think it's twofold. When it comes to the importance of college culture as well, I know we've had conversations with people like Dr. Kelly Damphis over at Texas State, and he's talked about the importance of athletics helping make sure that students stay retained in the academic system and they have greater college pride or joy in what they do with their academic life. How does uh, a JUCO team, particularly like a JUCO football team, also play into something like that? Yeah, I think you'll see the same, um, whether – you know, junior college football, NJC football down in Mississippi. I mean, this is a strong showing. Um, I mean, it's the same dynamics with the band to the cheerleading. Um, take it up to Kansas, to Hutchinson, Kansas, to some of those areas. It's the same thing. The, the student turnout, the fan bases, um, it's extraordinary. The same in Iowa. Um, when you really look at who comes and why they come, it's that same experience. Anywhere from the students who are supporting each other, to the moms, dads, general fans, the cheerleaders band, they're all engaged for the right reasons. And it's just usually with a, a smaller scale. It's not 65,000. It might be 15,000 or 10,000, whatever it may be. But, it, but it's scalable and part of the same mission and accomplishment. You know, my, I know this has been kind of an important year in terms of adding this ESPN agreement. What Could you tell us, take us through that? I know this is a multi-year agreement to expand the viewership and, and just the general you know, attention to JUCO football and JUCO sports across the board? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it, it's all about partnering with uh, you know, the prominent uh, sports provider across the country. And you know, with, the, with the championship game being on ESPNU, um, that's exciting because you know, our goal, number one, is for everybody to understand how good the quality and the expectation for NJCA football truly is. And in order to do that, we have to get that on people's TVs. We have to get that in front of them so they see these young men who are competing and getting getting the chance to go on to the next level. Um, you know, a gentleman named Jake Ripple does a great job of chairing that committee, and we appreciate his work and, and efforts to uh, keep us moving in the right direction. And, you know, when we look at the big picture, it's all about showcasing NJCA football players so that they get that exposure so – that they're not the, the best kept secret as we often hear because we want to be we don't want to be a secret we want to be known and you know through the ESPN Plus games you can you know click on them watch them now live or you can go back and watch them later but having that ESPNU game um, for the national championship is is pretty exciting and it's going to be very rewarding not just for the individuals who are playing in that but NJC football altogether. Dr. Parker, I know that there's also been a significant push to really increase significantly 
the association's connections with partners and sponsorships, and you're going through a process of evaluating how the organization raises revenue and spends that revenue. I would love to hear a little bit more about what are some of the initiatives that you have been taking outside of this ESPN deal. Yeah, I mean, it's it's all about uh, partnering with the right brands and and opportunities to to engage and and increase revenue so we can continue to pour that revenue into our championship experience for our student athletes. That's the focal point, um, providing services and opportunities um, that enhance those things. And yeah, we, we've really done a, you know, a, a quality job of uh, improving our relationships with third party vendors, with uh, the sponsors and partners, and we're continuing to, to try to move the needle. There's, there's a lot more to be done. But that revenue and, and those those types of partners have allowed us to get to the point where we can expend these dollars um, more on our membership as well as the student athlete experience. And for us, that's a driving factor is we want every student athlete to have a quality experience. And uh, what we've learned is you know, we've got we've got to enhance that um, with many different championships. And that's what we're pouring a lot of money and resources into. You know, for a lot of folks, I think the uh, just in general, JUCO sports, especially at NJCAA, was gotten to heavy focus with Last Chance U, popular documentary series. Obviously, the pandemic kind of shut it off, I think, for a little while there. But what? how did that affect the association from your perspective? So the, the irony is I've never watched a, an episode, um, but what I use it for is a talking point. Because, um, you know, when people come up to me, no matter where I am, and say, oh, Last Chance U, I use it as an opportunity to tell them about the NJCAA, all the great things that happen, all the great things that start from our coaches, administrators, student athletes, you name it. It gives me an opportunity to tell them the entire story, uh, not just a segmented piece on something that, that may have happened in, in one area of the country or not, but you know, really gets me to tell the entire story of the NJCAA. And if that's their connection point to have that conversation, then you know, so be it. But at least it's a conversation starter. And it's been you know, it's been rewarding because I just had that uh, two days ago. Same thing. Somebody came up to me and saw the logo and, oh, last chance you. Well, let me tell you about NJCAA. And once they get to learn and, and understand the, the whole aspect of NJCAA and junior college athletics, they're, they're pretty much in awe. And they don't they don't get that from just the show. We've also seen, at least from the show, that junior colleges have the capability of not just developing incredible athletes, but athletes that can eventually make it in the NFL. I mean, just from Last Chance U and EMCC, you had guys like Ronald Ollie, uh, John Franklin III, uh, Alan Zay Staggers, all these guys who actually ended up making it to the professional ranks. What is kind of that impact of how a JUCO can develop these guys to eventually go on to even further greatness in when it comes to the sport? So I think I think I think it truly does. I mean, you know, when you, when you name some of those names and you throw in names like Tyreek Hill and Alvin Kamara to uh, Darius Slay, um, you know. Darius Smith, Cam Newton, it, it, it teaches them an appreciation because we do have resource issues. I mean, and we don't have the, the dollars and cents that they get everything that they need and want at the, the major division one. Instead, they learn to appreciate and value exactly what they have. And that's the opportunity. And they, they, they don't take for granted. So when they move on to the next level and they get those opportunities, that's why you'll see on Monday Night Football, Sunday Night Football, when they do the introductions, you'll often hear them name their community or junior college when they go through that line because that appreciation factor really taught them a valuable lesson in life. And that's great kudos to our coaches and administrators who, who aid that development. But that's really what 
I think plays the biggest part in these student athletes success is they start to appreciate things at a different level. And when they get that next chance, it's not taken for granted because they've learned to be valuable of the resources, just like our coaches and administrators have to do. You know, I just, I want to also mention Stetson Bennett. He's a, he took a stop as a JUCO product and that clearly seems to have seen him return to Georgia and, and do quite well. <laughs> you know, one other aspect that, you know, I think is interesting with the JUCO football at the NJCAA are the coaching ties. I mean, obviously at Tennessee, but, you know, we had Willie Fritz and we talked to him, oh gosh, last month. And, you know, Tulane right now, they're the leading candidate for potentially getting that Cotton Bowl bid as an access bowl, but he had a tremendous success himself. I believe he won two titles actually at Blinn. So can you talk about that, the, the importance of the coaching at the junior college level in the association? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it parallels a lot of what we just talked about is you learn these coaches don't take, don't take things for granted and throw, t- throw names in there like Zach Taylor, who was at Butler, um, who's the head coach of Cincinnati, Brandon Staley, um, who's Los Angeles' head coach, a former Hutchison Community College coach. They, they learned the opportunity and they appreciated the experiences. And once they got more, they didn't take it for granted. And I think that's the biggest lesson. And you, if you go outside of football and you look at how many basketball players, I mean, how many basketball coaches, baseball coaches, who all have coached in the NJCAA that now are uh, coaching some type of, of professional athletics or even uh, high division one. It's phenomenal. But yeah, I, th- I think it's parallel to the same with the players, that appreciation, that understanding and that value. And that's why you continue to see these coaches with these ties will always look very strongly and hard at recruiting more and more NJCA student athletes because they've experienced it and they understand those obstacles and opportunities that those student athletes have uh, have gone through and to get to where they are. Speaking of championship coaches like Coach Fritz, uh, it's my understanding that the NGCAA or NJCAAA, always a fun mouthful, has recently gone and done some changes for their playoff system, especially with a new Division One and a new Division Three classification. What are some of the things that we can look forward to with a JUCO playoff? So yeah, last year was uh, the first year that we had a, a separate Division One and Division Three, and um, Division One means that you can provide athletic scholarships. Division Three, you cannot provide athletic scholarships, and we created the the football playoff, a four team playoff, to really to get some excitement, engagement around uh, the sport of football at this level uh, more than than what it was for for that purposes. And you know, it, it, it obviously the fifth team, sixth team. You know, they always feel like the opportunity they missed out or, or whatever, it's always going to be there no matter how many teams exist. But the focal point was to generate some excitement and some more engagement around the synergy points. And uh, the playoffs last year were very exciting. Um, really looking forward to uh, what this year uh, has in store um, for us with uh, a couple schools in Kansas and Mississippi and uh, Texas, as well as Iowa, are all kind of vying for those top four spots right now. Um a lot of people ask me, I, I don't necessarily know who our national championships, national champions are in many sports, but I've certainly been able to see some of the quality football this year that's been going on. Excited about the, the four teams that will make the playoffs here in just a couple of weeks. Well, one of the things that I always found kind of interesting to try and learn about was the obviously the NJCAA was founded in Fresno back in the 1930s. And in California, I grew up in California, there's, a, there's an entirely different association. What, why are there two and, and what occurred at what point to kind of create that split between California and then all the other states? 
So in in the fifties, California broke away uh, from the NJCA, from the national governing body, um, and uh, they haven't returned since. The invitation is open. We've welcomed them with uh, with open arms um, to come back and uh, compete with the national governing body on the national level. Um, it's it's their determination whether they they do that or not, and they're always welcome to do that. Um, but yeah, that happened in the fifties, and it's kind of remained the same since then. But uh, the last few years, we've certainly had a strong effort to uh, to make sure they understand that that if they want to join the national governing body and be a part of that, they're they're always welcome to. There is a national product when it comes to the NJCAA. What kind of regionality differences might we see with you know the strength in Iowa or Mississippi or Texas, California? What would be some of the regional differences that we see at least at the JUCO level? So Mississippi tends to play a schedule, or they only play a schedule within their own state. Texas uh, typically goes outside of their state. Kansas and Iowa the same. Um, they play more open schedules. California obviously only plays in California against no one else. But Mississippi is, is pretty much a Mississippi-only um, state where, again, Texas, Kansas, and uh, Iowa really venture more outside of their state, play a more open schedule. And I think that's the biggest difference Um even when our committee looks at strength of schedule is, is how they compare to schools in other parts of the country um, when it comes to the game of football and, and their scores and, and strength of schedule. How do programs keep healthy? Because one of the concerns that occurred before the pandemic was when Arizona's Juco Football League just basically collapsed in, in a, in a sh- series of short order. What efforts can be made to, to keep that and keep the sport growing? Well, that's that's really what was the whole kind of dynamic behind the playoff was we wanted to create some synergy to get more excitement uh, around what was going and 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 understanding that losing Arizona's uh, community college system didn't just affect that community college system; it affected the the other public schools around it, such as Arizona Western and, and Eastern Arizona, the head programs. You know, they weren't able to fill a schedule. It, it really. Um, you know, took a toll on Snow College out in Utah because their prominent schedule was was then gone. So again, it's 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 around the viability of creating these opportunities and and creating that synergy. So the the playoff really was a strong push to to get some synergy. So again, we knew that we were going into the the battles of where can we get for a media market, where can we get ourselves exposed to, and um, you know, without a playoff system and some type of synergy, we knew that was going to be a struggle. And uh, that really helped put the focus again um, back to where we could, you know, showcase some of those opportunities to media markets to get the the brand out there. So people see the importance of junior college football, the significance of junior college football. And the last thing we want to do is, is lose any more schools at this level, but also at the same time, it is the hardest sport to add from a cost perspective. So, where can we help and aid any uh, any other schools to think about starting and getting a football program going? If a new junior college wants to start developing a program, how does that process go about? Do they contact you and you begin to start the process there? Do they go ahead and start building a program on their own and then affiliate? Do you take something from like an NAIA and then move them up? Uh, what exactly is the uh, general process in order to launch one? 
Yeah, the, the normal process is they would work through their, their own institution to decide to make that decision. Then they would do a declaration to the national governing body to uh, start that sport, at which point um, they'd be recognized and approved um, to start doing their scheduling based off of their needs and, and so forth. Uh, there, has, there has been a new program in New Jersey that started up a couple years ago, and uh, a couple others have talked about it. Um, again, you know, where we can kind of get that synergy and, and impact, you know, is, is where we're still trying to collaborate the most. But the process is pretty simple. As long as their institution approves it, most time that's their local governing board would approve it. Uh, once they do that, they come to us for being sanctioned so they can begin their scheduling and recruitment process officially, meaning they can sign LOIs and recruit uh, the active student athletes. You know, I know that obviously there's there's a poll to rank the teams in in football in the association. How does that how is that structured? How does the poll work? So the uh, yeah the, the the poll the poll voters um, consists of athletic directors and quote unquote regional directors from around the country as well as a few coaches. Um, they have the opportunity to get together usually on Mondays and discuss you know what's going on in their part of the country, not just their schools that they're representing, but, but the part of the country they're representing. They really look at who they played, the scores, you know, what, what type of impacts are, are going to be made on injuries and things like that. And, and they really debate, you know, who is, who is what in that given week. And they really look at that and uh, I'll give them kudos. It's probably one of the toughest sports um, to, you know, kind of rank. Uh, again, that, that sport committee is actually led, led by a gentleman named Jake Ripple from uh, Dodge City out in Kansas. And uh, they do a great job of, of getting together. Michael Landers is a vice chair from uh, Navarro in Texas. And again, they get together. They have a lot of dialogue and, and input. Um, it's obviously uh, an important decision, but uh, we allow them to do their thing and really figure out who the, who the best for that poll is. When it comes to media opportunity, obviously you've got some new deals with the ESPN linear deals, but how else does media access generally work at one of these JUCO games? So uh, each school, um, each school ultimately has the, their choice of, of what they would like to do. Some schools, uh, YouTube live events, Facebook live events, um, have other partners that they um, produce games on their own. Um, through us, it'll go through the NJCA network. Um, and that's, that's how it's set up for the ESPN plus deal. And, you know, it really is up to the institution, how they, how they go about streaming their games. And again, it's different for every institution, uh, based on their priorities. Some may have a full out production and they have multiple commentators, et cetera, while others may just have a, a camera that's, that's showing footage because they want to make sure it's seen. So it varies greatly uh, by sport, but also by institution. What led you to f developing, you know, how, what brought you to junior college sports and, and, and brought you to want to lead the NJCAA? Uh, so for me, I, there, I grew up in Virginia. And uh, when I came out of high school, there was zero opportunities in the state of Virginia for NJCAA athletics. And, um, you know, I got a chance to, to play division three, division one, coach of division one for a number of years and uh, got into coaching and started the first athletic program ever in the Virginia community college system under the NJCA umbrella and uh, really found a niche for the opportunities that it was providing young, young men and women that were coming from all over the state because it was the most affordable, accessible opportunity. And that's what they needed. 
And, uh, you know, I got to serve pretty much every every level of leadership there at that college over 10 years. And I was on the NJCA board for seven as a regional director and uh, just fell in love with the with the mission of the NJCAA. But for athletics, but for these opportunities, you know, how many young men and women are, are falling through the cracks, aren't getting the opportunity, aren't getting seen. And you hear those stories over and over through many of the professional athletes that you hear. But um, I left and went to a university as a vice president for a couple of years and the job came open and I uh, really felt a calling and, and worked my way through the process. And, and that was obviously a blessing. And I've been here since 2017 and uh, there's lots of opportunities we still have to better develop our student athletes our coaches and administrators, but uh, it's always rewarding. And uh, you know, I tell our, our membership all the time, coaching at this level is the most challenging, but yet it's the most rewarding because you have to one to two years to take a young man or woman and make them productive, make them to be a student athlete that competes right now versus, you know, sitting and waiting and mentoring and learning. It's, it's learning while you go. And, uh, that's, that's kind of why I get up in the morning and do this job is because I, I believe in what our student athletes do. I believe in what our coaches and administrators do, but I greatly believe in what education combined with athletics does for society. This, of course, is obviously a team sport, not just in the game itself, but in the way that you also take on administration. I know that you have recently gotten a new office in Charlotte, North Carolina. You've been aggressively expanding the team in your office. What are some of the future plans that you have as an administrator for this division of college football? Yeah, so so right now, I mean, uh, our big focus was was around uh, development staff and marketing staff um, for the outside, and then compliance staff for better serving our members internally. And when it comes to that marketability, you know, there, there's no way to put a, a true dollar sign on the value. But the more and more young men and women coming out of high school that we can connect with the more and more viable they are to see what their local NJCA program or even other NJCA programs are to them. And we've started to see that impact quickly with a number of the opportunities that have come out directly to me with, you know, moms and dads and reporters and that kind of thing, you know, coming to me and saying, well, we never thought about this until we started seeing all this exposure and so forth. And we want to make sure that, you know, that this is a reality for, for everyone that we can continue to shape the future. But, as we talked about on the development side, we want the student athlete experience and the coaching experience at, at our national championships and events to be a high quality. We don't want them to show up, compete, go home. We want it from the time they arrive to the time they leave to be a real experience, something they take back and they remember for, for life. And they share that with their kids and their grandkids. And they truly understand the NJCAA is an is opportunity start here is our motto. And, you know, we get more and more looks for young men and women coming out of high school to compete here. How have you been working on strengthening existing and, and expanding relationships with entities such as obviously the pro leagues like Major League Baseball, NBA, NFL, but also the NCAA and NAIA? NAIA, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. That one is probably the biggest tongue twister for me. When we had <laughs> some guys from there, uh, some guys who cover that sport, I, every time I kept saying it, I was flum. And I, I enjoy watching football at NAIA, but I always tend to fumble it. That's funny. Um, so our relationship with the NAIA, I mean, Jim Carr, president and CEO, is, is is one of my dearest friends. And and that relationship has been built very strongly over the years. Uh, the NCAA, our relationship with the NCAA has grown exponentially over the last few years. We've had a lot of, uh, a lot of resources um, that we put together to share with each other. We have a couple 
staff members who came from the NCAA to work with us now. And again, we've taken those relationships to a new level on the professional side. Um, again, I've met, I meet with the commissioner of baseball's office routinely. Um, that's why I'm going to the world series, uh, tomorrow. And, uh, you know, it's, it's those opportunities continue to engage and recruit, uh, young men in baseball, but the same on the NBA side and the NFL side, um, really grown those relationships. The NFL provided us the women's flag football grant uh, a couple years ago to, you know, expedite and grow that sport for the NJCAA. And obviously the NAI is heavily involved in that, but yeah, that's one of the main focal points um, that I've spent my time on is the relationship building. So when things are, are going haywire, we need support. It's not a, it's not a how quickly or how long does it take to get uh, the answers we need. It's more of one phone call, one text message, one email to get the answers that we need to support our student athletes and our members. And we've really done a, a quality job, in my opinion, all the way around of developing those relationships further than where they were and uh, continuing to uh, try to cultivate them even further than that. Dr. Parker, I know we've only got about five minutes left with you. We want to value your time. And so with that, we just got a couple last questions to wrap in there. Overall, this has been an incredible conversation to see where the NJCAA has been, where it's going right now. What is the long-term dream for your administration with the NJCAA? Well, I mean, I think the I think the long-term dream is, is all about, you know, being there and, uh, gosh, just – when you turn on your TV, you turn on uh, your radio, that the conversation is not just about Power 5 NCAA. It's also about the young men and women who started at the NJCAA. There's always a mention of NJCAA. Again, we're not the best kept secret. We are uh, a priority. And I think we're one step closer to that than we ever have been. And it's going to continue to be a priority. Um, but I know it is a dream in the world of, of, of money and sports and that business. Um, we're still a long ways away, but uh, that is a, that is a dream to be right there at the forefront. And again, when, when you click on ESPN now and you see our logo and you see the affiliation, uh, that certainly matters. It matters to, to us and it matters to our association and it matters to our student athletes to have that connectivity. So we're going to continue to, to push that needle forward, uh, continue to make sure we have the, the best student athletes uh, experience as possible. And like you talked about earlier, develop coaches that uh, use the opportunity at the NJCA level to, to take the next step in their journey. Dr. Parker, where can we see JUCO this year? Where are the best spots to, to watch? Not, and it doesn't just have to be football. I mean, because as I said at the outset, there's 60,000 athletes in the association. So I don't want to shortchange all of them. And we, we're talking to you. You had the entire thing. What are the best ways for folks who want to experience what the association has to offer? Where should they find it, including football? Where are the best places to go? Yeah, the, the NJCA network um, is obviously a top priority for us because it, it showcases all of our championships. Um, you can go there and watch the championships of, of almost every sport. Not not every sport is there, but but almost every sport is is there. You can uh, see it at all Division One, Two, II, and Three levels of the sports that are offered, um, as well as just going to the NJCA.org website and and tracking some of your local community and to your colleges. You you have them right there in your backyard. And again, we talked about they may be Facebook Live games or things like that. But if you go to our website, you can find out exactly what those colleges are in your backyard. And, you may be able to watch them live tonight at a region volleyball meet that's that's going on. So, But the NJCA network is certainly a priority um, to see the the power of the NJCA overall. And I know there, are some, there were some featured games on ESPN Plus as well as I, I believe, at least for a game of the week kind of situation for football. 
That's correct. Uh, ESPN Plus at the game of the week. Um, you'll see the the Division One NJCAA volleyball game will be on uh, Plus, as well as the men's and women's basketball um, coming up will be on ESPN Plus, as well as baseball and softball regular season games, including the national championship of baseball and softball will be on ESPN Plus with both the men's and women's uh, Division One championship game on ESPNU um, in the spring around mid-March when that time frame comes. Excellent. We're looking forward to that. Um, and again, I'm so glad that we're going to get an opportunity to see the title game on ESPNU this season. And of course, you know, for those of you out there, it's a great opportunity to see a lot of talented players at every sport who you're going to see playing at all levels. I mean, there's some great players right now at Hutchinson and Southwest Mississippi uh, that are going to already, I think, committed that you're going to see playing in the SEC and elsewhere heading in the next season. Yeah, the, those student athletes, like I said, had already committed. Uh, you know, the the list of the possible ones that are going to be in that four team playoff are pretty significant. Um, so yeah, tune in and and see some of those student athletes from Mississippi and and uh, Kansas and Iowa and other places. And, and this week's game of the week for uh, ESPN Plus is actually Blinn at Kilgore. I know you talked about Blinn College's coach a little while ago, but uh, this week is Blinn at Kilgore. Looking forward to that. Well, Dr. Parker, thanks so much for joining us and telling us so much about what's going on. Absolutely. I appreciate you all having me. Yes, indeed. Well, I just want to take a second to thank all of you for listening. This was RCFB Talk 100, our 100th show. We had Dr. Christopher Parker, the president and CEO of the National Junior College Athletic Association. We were talking all about what goes on in JUCO sports. On behalf of myself, Bob Akairi, on behalf of J.D. Moore and our other co-host, Sirius, who is unfortunately unable to join us today, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it. All of you that have ever listened to us, show 100. We still can't believe that this happened. And then tomorrow, we're going to be having a regular talk at night, which is how we used to start them. It's going to be at 10 p.m. Eastern. And that's actually the one-year anniversary of when we began the show, which was also the first Tuesday Maction of 2021. So, a lot of little anniversaries coming together this week. We just we are just happy for all of you. Thanks for joining us. Now I'm gonna hang up and listen.